Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are starting a new Lenten sermon series called The Cross. And what we're going to be doing for the next five weeks leading up to Resurrection Sunday is we are going to be examining and hopefully experiencing the horror and the beauty of the cross. And the way I hope we'll do this is by delving into how God took this instrument of torture and death intended to strike fear into the hearts of everyone who witnessed it and use that to transform and save the world. But before we start getting into the good news that the Christ proclaims to us, what we need to do this week and next week is we need to get in to the horrible, hideous, and repulsive nature of the cross. And the reason we need to do this is because you and I living after the resurrection some 2,000 years really don't get just how evil crucifixion was. We really don't get what crucifixion meant in the ancient context. And for me, if you really want to understand what God did with this horrible instrument of death, you've got to sit with the horror. You've got to sit with the reality, to get it. So to put that terror into perspective, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to walk you through what it was like to be crucified, which is something we've talked about before, but it's something that I want ingrained in all of your brains when you see it cross. That's what you think of. Then we're going to talk about why crucifixion was created in the first place, why the Romans used it. And then the last thing we're going to talk about, which is new to me, is where crucifixion fits on the list of the worst ways to die, according to some very, very influential Romans of the time. So this is the reality of the crucifixion in the ancient Roman world. In most instances, before one was ever nailed to the cross, there were a couple of different things that usually had to happen to get the criminal prepared for their execution. The first being... Flogged, the criminal being flogged. And what it meant to be flogged is that a person would be stripped naked, tied up, or chained to a torturing post, and then whipped a total of 39 times with an instrument called a cat of nine tails. And what the cat of nine tails was, it's kind of like a whip that we have today, but instead of having one long leather extension, there were usually 10 to 20 shorter leathers extensions. But what made this device so horrible is that the end of these extensions was sewn glass and metal. The result of this punishment being that much of the skin on a person's back, butt, and legs would have been shredded. With wounds, oftentimes going as deep as the muscle and sometimes even as deep as the bone. Or you need to know this wasn't just a whipping and they got up and walked off. No, this was enough in itself. And then to add insult to injury, after one was flogged, they were then forced to carry the horizontal beam of the cross, 
from the place they were beaten to the place of their death. And what you need to understand is oftentimes when we watch the movies, we see someone carrying the whole cross. That's not how it went in the ancient world. The vertical beam was usually a tree or a post that was sticking up out of the ground. And so what they were forced to carry through the streets of Jerusalem or wherever it was they were being crucified was the horizontal beam. And the reason they made them carry that was to shame them, was to tell everybody that this is what happens if you dare step out of line. And so, what happened after the beam was put in place is that the executioners would begin the process of crucifixion itself. And contrary to popular opinion, people were not nailed through their hands. Your hands wouldn't hold you up on a cross. It was through your wrist between the radia and ulna bone. And there also happens to be a huge nerve there which would send horrible shooting pain up and down your arm. And then after one was nailed to the cross through the wrist, and what you have to keep in mind is oftentimes when we see renditions of the cross, the cross is this thing that is high in the air. That's not the way it was in the ancient world. These things were low to the ground, something that people could reach by standing in front of it, something like this. And so what they did after they nailed through his wrist is they would then go to his feet. And one of the ways they did it in the ancient world was like you see on the screen here with both feet put together and nailed in the front. But there's also evidence that suggests that oftentimes what they would do was nail on the outside by putting their legs on the outside of the cross. But the truth is either way this was done, it really didn't matter. It was absolutely horrible. And then to add to the shame of crucifixion, everyone nailed to the cross was stripped naked. We don't get to see that in renditions of art because they couldn't have the art up, but they were stripped naked as just another way to humiliate and make an example of the one being crucified. Now, the reason I've put the cross here in the middle with lights on it is because I now want you to take a moment and don't look at me. I want you to look at this cross and imagine what one would suffer. Now, what makes the crucifixion even worse than all that we've mentioned, which is kind of hard to imagine at this point, is that crucifixion was not designed to kill someone in a hurry. But it was something that was intended to cause people to suffer over long periods of time. In fact, there is evidence in the ancient world that people would suffer for days on the cross. And the way that one died on the cross was not necessarily bleeding to death, as you might think, but by suffocation. Or the way that one was put up on the cross is their arms would be stretched out in such a way and they would hang in such a way that they wouldn't be able to breathe. And so to even get a breath, what they'd have to do is they'd have to pull up on the nails in their wrist and push up with the nails in their feet to even get to a place where they could only to fall back down again. Which was a cycle of pushing and pulling and falling and pushing and pulling and falling and pushing and pulling and falling that went on and on and on until the crucified was so exhausted 
he could no longer lift himself up. And so slowly suffocated. Or drowned in his own bodily fluid. Or that is the unspeakable reality and nature of the cross. And now what I want you to do to make it a bit more real again is I want you to take a moment and look at the cross. But this time, instead of seeing a rendition in art when people are just hanging there, I want you to imagine the struggle that took place just to survive while you face this execution. Now, the reason why the Romans came up with this horrible method of execution, killing thousands upon thousands of people all over the world, including Jesus, was ultimately to strike fear into the hearts of every single person who got to witness it. Because for the Romans, the cross was really nothing more than an ancient billboard, an ancient roadside sign that proclaims that if you do not do what we say, If you dare to step out of line by starting a rebellion or an insurrection or claiming yourself to be a king, then this is what's going to happen to you. Or just think about if an instrument like this was set up on 10th Street in Great Bend, Kansas. That's what Rome is doing. And as you might imagine, it was a very, very effective form of mob control. It kept people in line. But what really put things into perspective for me when it comes to the nature of the cross is what the Romans have to say about this despicable instrument of torture and death. So in the ancient world, one of the most famous descriptions we have of the reality of the cross was given by one of Emperor Nero's most trusted advisors, Seneca. And the reason why his description is so poignant to to what we're talking about today is because Nero was the emperor who actually killed thousands upon thousands of people, including a bunch of Christians and a bunch of Jews after the great fire in Rome, which means Seneca knows what he's talking about. He's seen this thing over and over again. But the way that Seneca goes about describing the reality of the crucifixion is not by giving us the details. It's not by doing what I just did. Because everybody in the ancient world had already seen a cross. They know what a cross is. No, the way he gets into this is by comparing crucifixion to the worst kind of punishments that Rome used to keep their people in line. Or let me share with you some methods that he shared in his letters and essays and where Seneca put crucifixion on his list of the worst ways to die. And warning, this is horrible. This is not suitable for all ages But this is the reality of the cross. So method number one that he mentions is this. Two chariots tied to a person and then driven in opposite directions to pull that person apart. Method two is a victim taking fire in the mouth, perhaps molten metal or some other hot material that they would swallow, which then would end up killing them. And then method number three, which is so crazy, I can't even imagine it. They would tie people into a leather, snack, leather sack with a snake, a monkey, a dog, and a rooster. And if that's not enough, they would throw that sack into the Tiber River 
where they could watch as everything fought to stay alive until they all drowned. Now for me, the first thought I had when I came across this information is that crucifixion is not even close to any of these horrible executions. Because how in the world do you get any worse than being pulled apart or metal in your mouth or being thrown into a river with a sack full of animals? It just doesn't make any sense. But surprisingly, what I found as I continue to read on is that according to Seneca, the worst torture of all was crucifixion. In fact, it wasn't even close for him. And the reason he thought crucifixion was by far the worst is because it took a long time. It's because one didn't just die. One suffered over hours and even days. Jesus was on the cross for six hours. Others for days upon days upon days. Or Seneca has this to say about the reality of the cross. He says, is there really such a thing as a person who would prefer wasting away in pain on a cross, dying limb by limb, one drop of blood at a time, rather than dying quickly? Would anyone willingly choose to be fashioned to that cursed tree, especially after the beating that left him deathly weak, deformed, swelling with vicious welts on the shoulder and chest, and struggling to draw every last agonizing breath? Anyone facing such a death would plead to die rather than mount the cross. But what really puts the reality of the cross into perspective is there's this account from Cicero, who's this famous Roman lawyer, philosopher, and politician, and he says this, he says, the very word cross should be forbidden in the presence of Roman citizens. Romans shouldn't have to think of a cross, see a cross, or hear the miserable word. It is unbecoming and far below a citizen. Romans shouldn't have to think of a cross, see a cross, or hear the miserable word. And have you ever thought how horrible something has to be for it to be forbidden to even be thought about or talked about? Well, according to Cicero, that's how bad the cross really was. That's how bad the cross really was. Or or that is the true nature, the horrible, hideous, repulsive nature of the cross, which is the fate that our Lord, our Savior, our King, suffered almost 2,000 years ago on Good Friday as the Gospels proclaim, and they crucified Him. And they crucified Him. And they crucified him. Which is a reality. Whether you like it or not, or comfortable with it or not, and I don't think anybody should be comfortable with it. But I believe you have to understand and experience in the deepest parts of your being to really get at what God did through the cross to save us and save the world. So instead of closing this sermon with a warm and fuzzy life application, you know, to make you guys feel real good on your way out the door, I'm just going to let you sit with the reality of a cross for the week. And my prayer is that it will do work in you. I pray it will disturb you. But not so you can remain disturbed, but so that you'll be ready for the beauty and the good news that's yet to come. Let us pray.
Father, as we take the reality of the cross seriously this week, Lord, I ask that you would help us all feel it. Help us to all understand the the weight of it, the pain of it, and what it is that you had to endure. Because ultimately, O Lord, we want to experience the pain of the cross so that we can get to the place where we really understand just how amazing it is that you took this instrument, this horrible instrument, that, that was meant to strike fear into the hearts of everyone who witnessed it, who, who got to see it. Use that to save the world. You took this darkness and you made it light. So Lord, help us to struggle with this as we prepare for what's about to come in resurrection. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.